Welcome to the Peter Gabbard Podcast, folks. I am your borderline inappropriate host, Peter Timothy Hankst. And today is February 11th, 2020, which means I am on day 59 of 365 Promised Episodes. It brings you news, sports, movies, music, entertainment, and everything except politics. In sports news, folks, nothing happened yesterday that I care about. But I do have to point out one thing. Texas Tech played TCU, if you want to call it played. They won 88-42. to How is that possible? You shouldn't even play a team that's only capable of scoring 42 points in an entire game. In an NBA game, 42 is the minimum standard for a single quarter of play. And yet, an entire game went by, and your team could only muster up 42 pathetic points in a college basketball game, while the other team scored 88. Just pathetic. Number 24, Texas Tech, obviously won that game. Congrats to you on the easy win. Finally, a manager in a fast food restaurant steps up and deals with his lazy employees. Now, a Taco Bell in Ohio... Recently got, you know, a little bit of bad mouth from its customers and the owners on account of a manager simply putting a sign in the window saying, we are sorry the dining room is not open because our employees cannot make it to work on time. That is awesome. I love every bit of that. Make them accountable. That is what we need to do. People are getting away with everything because they get offended by it. Or, you know, it's not right to, or they think it's prejudice. No, if you don't show up to work on time, then you should be fired. And if you're not able to fire them because you're part of some kind of union or you're protected by these ridiculous rights that allow you to be late every day and still not get shit canned, then we are going to make fun of you with signs in the window. I love this person. Whoever did it, thank you very much. I cannot stand when my employees are late. That is my least favorite thing. At least call me and tell me you're not going to be on time. Because otherwise, I'm going to start doing the same thing. I'll just set up a sign in front of barbecues and saying, oh, we're not open yet. Because my employee didn't show up on time. And he doesn't know how to read a clock. Thank you for that wonderful idea, sir. Well, folks, Birds of Prey is out. Yes. I personally am excited. I love DC. I'm a Marvel fan, too. Don't get me wrong. I like them both. But I prefer DC. And a lot of people don't know. It's all about Margot Robbie and Harley Quinn. Yes. Being the same person, of course. Uh, Harley Quinn. She's the famous girlfriend of the Joker. Have you not seen Suicide Squad? A lot of folks have not flocked to the theater for this movie as it was anticipated to make tons of money and has flopped big time at the box office. Apparently, its cost, up to $300 million, has not even come close to breaking even on. I don't understand how any movie can cost $300 million to make. This is ridiculous. This makes no sense at all. Unless you hire... Every single famous actor in the world, or 300 famous people, how about, 
and you pay them each a million. Because other than that, this is all senseless. Isn't it computer-generated images? For the most part, a computer doesn't ask you to pay them much money. In fact, I'm pretty sure they don't ask you to pay them anything. Not only that, but if I got half of the money that they spent on one of these movies, if they said, let's cut the budget in half, give Peter Hanks $150 million, see what he can do with it, and we'll do the other 150 and we'll make a movie. I would be able to produce like 45 films off of $150 million. And I would be set for life. I would invest in like six different restaurants, have a mansion in Malibu. I'm not understanding where this money goes when they spend 300 mil. I have heard the movie got insanely good reviews. Like, for the most part, critics love it but they can't get people to go see it. So I'm saying right now, Birds of Prey, first they had that as the original name. Now they've entitled it Birds of Prey and the Emancipation of Harley Quinn or something like that to try and get people more more interested in it. So they've added a new name. It's supposed to be really good. Go check it out. I love DC movies. Speaking of movies, folks... As you know, I review movies all the time. Not even sure why. I just do it. And you know what? I saw Doolittle. Believe it or not, yes. Starring Robert Downey Jr., Doolittle. I believe it's his first real major film after Avengers Endgame. And I gotta say, I was actually pretty impressed. I came into it with very low expectations, thinking this is gonna be... Nowhere near as funny as any of the Eddie Murphy versions. And you know what? It was slightly funny, clever, uh, a little bit intense in some circumstances throughout the film. And I actually didn't hate the kids acting in it. At the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't know. A couple of kids are the main characters. A lot of times you get one that's just terrible, but they couldn't find a good kid actor. They did a great job in this. Congrats to everybody who played a part. I was surprised to see Antonio Banderas and a couple other well-known actors in this movie. It'll surprise you. So, if you're thinking, what family fun film can I watch with my kiddos this weekend? Check it out. Do little. I give it a 6 out of 10. Well, what do you know, folks? Another ex-boyfriend of a famous singer is now a drug addict and a thief. Jamie Lynn Spears' ex-boyfriend, Casey Aldridge, who I'm sure nobody's ever heard of because neither have I, is now robbing people and burglarizing campsites in Mississippi to get drugs. It just seems like it goes hand in hand. You're dating a famous girl. She dumps you because you're a loser and realizes that she can get anyone she wants in the world. And then you turn to drugs. I... You know, I'm not surprised at this. I'm not going to lie. If I was a freeloader, coattail-riding douchebag who just waited for my girlfriend to come out with another album so that we could have money, then I would probably turn to drugs as soon as she dumped me because I have no other prospects. Why wasn't this guy enrolled in school when he was 18 and had a baby with Jamie Lynn Spears who was only 16 at the time. I don't understand how this is new America, but it is. And the things are getting worse. You know, my wife, 
She's obsessed with this show. Uh, by the way, MTV, it needs to be called Reality TV. There is no music at all. We all know this. There is only reality shows. And one of the reality shows she loves so much that is so terrible in every possible way is 16 and pregnant or teen mom or whatever it's called. Teen mom five. Now I'm not a teen anymore. Or teen mom 10. My kid's now a teen and I'm still on this show. I don't understand how these people are glorified for being terrible, terrible parents. It's pathetic. And meanwhile, people like us who bust our butts to ensure that our children have fantastic lives, we would never have a kid when we were a teenager because we know it would destroy them. We worked really hard to prepare ourselves for the right time and nothing. Nobody gives a crap about us. They want to see somebody who had a kid when they're 15 and starts doing heroin when their kid's only two, so their mom has to take care of them. I'm talking about you, Janiel. This is embarrassing. No longer should we glorify complete losers like this. Let's shun them out of society into the corners where they belong. Thank you, MTV, for once again making us fall in love with America's douchebags. I'm not going to lie, I do watch MTV's The Challenge. Johnny Bananas all day, people. Now, folks, we all know it's all about social media presence. That's correct. Now, I'm terrible at this. You know, I always think, oh, man, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to post this, get tons of likes. Everybody's going to follow me. It'll just be as simple as that. Well, it's not. You're not important. Neither am I. Nobody cares. But if you're Matthew Perry, you can join Instagram and get 4 million followers in 24 hours. Yeah, that's right. It's almost as if the world was waiting for him to join Instagram. Now, I know he's been a ghost ever since the end of Friends. Perhaps he went into a deep state of depression. Because every time we've seen a picture of him, he looks like a bag of dog shit. But now, here he is, just simply trolling around the internet, decides to pop up a quick Instagram profile, and four million people want to see what he has to post. Well, show me your secret, buddy, because I have not been a depressed, sad sack. I have been busting my butt to try and get people to listen to me, understand me, talk to me, respond, anything, and I get nada. Congrats to you, Matthew Perry. Hopefully this is the next step for you towards actually making this Friends reunion happen. According to somebody, HBO special Friends reunion is going to be hosted by Ellen DeGeneres. Yes. Now, I don't see how it's going to be hosted by someone because we don't want it to be them all sitting around just talking. We want more Friends. Make an episode, a one-hour-long special, something. Put all the characters back together. Don't do something stupid and have them all, like, hanging out, just talking about what it was like to be on the show. I mean, yeah, I'm going to watch that anyways, sure. But I want to see another episode of Friends. I died inside a little bit when that show ended. And it's the same thing with Seinfeld. We all know that's never going to happen. Seinfeld, man, they got paid a lot for that show. It was the best sitcom of all time, by far. But friends, 
a close second, perhaps even a tied first with Seinfeld, we have wanted and waited to see more for a long time. All the actors are still in good shape, except Matthew Perry. Everybody still does something regarding film or, you know, TV shows, except Matthew Perry. So get on board, stop messing around with Instagram, and make a new Friends episode so we can watch it. I'm excited. I hope you are too. Now, folks, I've made enemies in my life. I'm not going to lie. Some people out there don't like me. And some things don't like me either. You know what one thing is my mortal enemy? To this day, no matter what, when I come across this, there's an issue. It's a tank of propane. Yes. Every time I grab a tank of propane, thinking I'm just going to swing it with one arm and bring it to my backyard to start smoking some more meat, I swear I pull a muscle or something happens in my back pathetically. I can't believe it. You know, I, and I do all kinds of stuff. You know, I lift heavy crap all day, building up and shutting down a pop-up restaurant wherever I go. You know, I pick up kids and clean their diapers and swing around kids for fun. We're jumping around, having a good time. But the second I touch a propane tank, for some reason, it injures me every time. Case in point, yesterday. Went to go swap my propane tank, grabbed the empty shell, and swung it into my back seat. No problem, it's empty. And all of a sudden, now my shoulder hurts like a bitch. Yep. You can you can just tell when you're when you're falling apart as an old man when things like that happen. I mean, most people would be embarrassed. They wouldn't tell anyone. But instead, no. I'm going to put it on my podcast so that everyone knows that pathetic old Pete couldn't pick up a propane tank, that's a lot of alliteration, without injuring his shoulder and back. Yeah. As I sit here holding my phone, I can actually feel the portion of my back that's in pain. It's uh, it's mostly dissipated by today, you know, it's been 24 hours, but I still am just, you know, I'm flabbergasted as I sometimes am about this and many other things that are able to injure me so easily when I used to just, you know, I mean, I survived cancer. I mean, I run half marathons. I can take a beating. But propane tanks, uh, you know, I've met my match. Kids love to find multiple uses for things. Yes. And my son uh, recently got one of those hovering soccer games where you flick on the switch and it hovers, you know, with air. It's literally a hovering soccer ball that's flat and disc-shaped and it just floats on the ground, so you barely touch it, and it'll slide across the whole floor. He got one of these, and it comes with goals that you put together with all these little plastic tubes that connect, you know, it's like a Ikea set, almost. And what did he do immediately? He got super excited, he loved it so much, because he could tear apart the goals and toot in the little plastic tubes like they're horns. So now all he does... Just walk around all day with a handful of these little plastic pipes and toots in them like they're trumpets. 
just going doot, 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 everywhere he goes, you know, that's what he, that's what he decided was the real key to having fun with this new toy. Yeah, he doesn't care about the floating soccer ball, which I'm amazed by. I'm like, hey, it's hovering. It's not even touching the ground. It has like super powered fans in it that, you know, took like 12 freaking double A batteries. You don't even care about that at all. You're not even going to touch the soccer ball. You're going to tear apart the goal and toot in the pipes like their horns all day long to annoy the crap out of me. I mean, props to him. He will find fun in anything. You could put him in a room with a, a garbage can and a piece of plastic, and he's going to make believe all kinds of cool stuff for hours and hours, never get bored. I don't get it. I'm bored as I speak right now. I'm bored listening to myself talk, which is crazy because clearly I love to listen to myself talk. I do it all day. But this kid, man, his imagination runs wild. I love it. At the same time, now I'm kind of annoyed because there's like 27 pieces of this pipe that used to be a goal for this little soccer game thing that I put together. It took me like an hour and a half, and he just tore it apart immediately. It should have clicked in or something, but instead, of course, it just kind of sat there, you know, able to be torn up by a kid within seconds. They should know that every kid is going to rip it to shreds, no matter what. You know, it needs to have those little balls in there that just click in. You can't take it apart unless you push down on the ball. It has nothing like that. Instead, there's little holes that make the horn toot even more like a flute does. So now you can play it by covering the little holes. And, you know, it's like a recorder. It's like that thing we were forced to play in grade school that absolutely nobody on the planet has ever made a living playing the recorder. I don't understand how that's what they decided we should play. Yes, a little thing that I've never seen since then and never saw before it. I don't even know if it's a real instrument, if they just created it for grade school. Because if they would have taught me, you know, a real flute or a trombone or trumpet or something that's in an actual orchestra, who knows where I'd be. Instead, they forced you to buy a recorder which we absolutely have never used since then. If I even still have mine, it's somewhere in storage. Uh, I'm pretty sure I broke it in half when, when it was all done, out of anger. Now there's ups and downs, folks, to getting a new couch. Now the ups and downs of my new couch is that it goes up and down. Yes, I got some leather couches now that adjust and recline like Further than you could possibly imagine. Recline to the point, I swear you're almost upside down when it's fully reclined. Which is great, right? You can hang out. You know, you can either you know take a little nap on there or whatever. But when it has to do with your kids falling asleep on it every single night and requiring you then to pick their giant heavy bodies up and transfer them to their beds, you begin to wonder about the practicality of your reclining lazy boy sofas. Yeah, I don't want to wrench my back every single evening and pick up my gigantic kids off of my couch who will easily one day be a foot taller than I. Good for them. I don't know where that came from. Me and my wife are both really small, but they are big and they fall asleep on this thing every single night. Not to mention their favorite new pastime is pressing the buttons back and forth and adjusting it. 
So I'm pretty sure that's going to, you know, be destroyed. The mechanism that actually controls the lazy boy action will be ruined within six months guaranteed. I mean, that that is one thing you have to understand when you have a kid. If you have something that has a button on it, they will press the button over and over and over. So now I've had to create a rule in my house, a pathetic rule that they are no longer allowed to adjust my new leather couches into a reclining position because all they're going to do is go back and forth and back and forth until they wear it out so that it doesn't work. And you know what? If it does not work, I'm going to have the world's heaviest non-reclining couches anyone's ever seen. I mean, these things are like anvils. It took three grown men, well, I mean, two grown men and me, to put these things in my house. And there's two of them. So they go back and forth from one to the other. And they jump around on top of the reclined foot portion, which I know can't handle the weight. And it just looks like it's about to snap right away. So, you know what? Another lesson to be learned here in life. Once again, don't try and have nice leather couches that recline while you also have kids. Because somehow, some way, of course, they're gonna destroy them. I can't believe it's already here, folks. I am so pumped. It is time for Real Stories. Brought to you by Peter Timothy Hankst. I don't even know who that is. Oh, wait, it's me. And Barbecusion. That's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. And today, folks, I'm gonna tell you the story about the time I almost got my ass beat in San Francisco. Yep, that's correct. Uh, believe it or not, the city of nice folks, many being gay, I, Peter Hankst, a small midget who, you know, tends to get on some people's nerves pretty easily, yeah, I got almost into a fight without trying, without doing anything. You know, I was there having a good time, just cruising around the bay, and, you know, I saw AT&T Park, and I figured, hey, why not just check out, see if there's going to be a baseball game today, if there is. I'm going to hit it up. So a buddy of mine and me, we check in, and sure enough, an hour from where we, an hour from when we were there, there was going to be a baseball game, San Francisco Giants. I figured I've never been in this park before. It looks really nice. It's fantastic. Let's do it. So we bought some tickets. No problem, right? No big deal. So, you know, we get into the park, and man, it, this stadium's great. You know, it's amazing. The smell of delicious food everywhere. You know, there's fish options there's garlic fries, you know, there's people just flossed out top to bottom in San Francisco gear. They love it. They're obsessed with their baseball up there. And yet, it was a little bit windy and, you know, surprisingly cold because of the wind. So I needed a jacket. Yes, you know, and, and I had traveled to San Francisco without the knowledge that I would end up at a sports game of any kind. I just traveled there to have fun. But... I did end up at a sports stadium, and the only jacket I had happened to be a Seattle Seahawks sweater. And you know what? At first, I was like, I don't know if I should do this. And then once I got seriously cold, I was like, all right, I don't care. I decided I had to put the sweater on. I was too dang cold. I didn't care what people think, so I put on the sweater. Immediately, I faced... The biggest sports backlash 
I've ever faced in my life. Not only were people mad that I was wearing Seattle gear, they were extremely mad that I was wearing a sport that I wasn't even at. I was wearing a football sweater at a baseball game, and it was their biggest rival team they could even imagine. They hated me. Every step I took in that Seahawks sweater was another chance to get my ass beat. No longer was the beautiful city of San Fran a nice and welcoming place. The people hated me. Immediately a guy walked up and pointed out my sweater and was like, this fool's wearing a Seahawks sweater at a San Francisco Giants game. What a douchebag. And then he walks away. I heard another guy say, I would get my ass beat if I had something like that on. And walked past me as well. And then finally, a little kid pointed at me and laughed and said, Ha ha, Seattle, you're a loser. It was right then I realized, I'm about to get in a fight. I can't do it. So what did I do? Yeah, I broke down. I did the ultimate no-no for a sports fan. I took off the sweater, I covered it up in a bag, and I bought a San Francisco Giants hat. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, it just makes me feel embarrassed to say it, but I did it. And you know what? I had way more fun as soon as I did it because then I was treated with such respect Every single person who saw me in the Giants hat ran up to me giving me high fives and they couldn't wait that I was going to join them for this game. They didn't know me, but they knew I was a fan because they saw the hat and I still have that hat to this day. I'm looking at it right now. I've never worn it again. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a Giants fan. I don't give a crap about them. I, I don't hate them. I have no reason to. They've never been a threat. You know, the Mariners lose on their own. The Mariners have always been a team that beats themselves. My entire life, I've waited for them to make it to the Major League Baseball Championships, the World Series. They can't do it. They can't do it. So it doesn't matter to me that, you know, that I have this hat. It'll just sit there and get covered in dust until somebody asks me if they can have it or whatever. I mean, if you want this hat, call me right now. I'll give you it. I don't care. But what it did do was it saved me from an ass beating, it allowed me to enjoy a baseball game with a bunch of big-time fans, and it proved to me that the people of San Francisco are willing to beat the shit out of you if you wear anything Seattle anywhere near their sports stadiums. That I now understand, and that is a lesson to be learned. Thank you very much for tuning into the Peter Gabbett Podcast, folks. It means the world to me that everybody is into this. I'm surprised at the following I have. It, I, You know what? I never thought I would get this big. I'm like world famous at this point. Everybody knows me. I'm all over TV. No, no, that's all lies. Nobody listens to this. It's only me, possibly my wife, and maybe a couple friends. To those of you who do listen, I love you so very much, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Folks, when I was a youth... Or in the words of Joe Pesci, when I was a youth, yes, when I was a youth, I really did think I was a G. For like a quick 
summer at least, I thought Peter Hangst was a straight gangster, a hangster, if you will. And during that time, I memorized every single word to the song Regulate by Warren G. I'm pretty sure we all did. So I have to bring it back real quick, right here, right now, and play it for you at the end of my beautiful podcast. Here we are, folks. Warren G. Regulate. a clear black night, a clear white moon Warren G was on the streets trying to consume some skirts for the E so I could get some phones rolling in my ride, chilling all alone Just hit the east side of the LBC on a mission trying to find Mr. Warren G. Seen a car full of girls, ain't no need to tweak, all of you skirts know what's up with 213 So I hooked a left on 21 and Lewis, some brothers shooting dice so I said let's do this, I jumped out the ride and said what's up some brothers put some gats so I said I'm stuck. Since these girls peeping me, I'm gonna glide and swerve. These hookers looking so hard, they straight hit the curve. Want to bigger, better things than some horny tricks. I see my homie and some suckers all in his mix. I'm getting jacked, I'm breaking myself. I can't believe they taking Warren's wealth. They took my rings, they took my Rolex. I looked at the brother, said, damn, what's next? They got my homie hemmed up and they all around. Can't none of them see him if they going straight pound for pound. They want to come up real quick before they start to clown. I best pull out my strap and lay them busters down. They got guns to my head. I think I'm going down. I can't believe it's happening in my own town. If I had wings, I would fly. Let me contemplate. I glanced in the cut and I seen my homie Nate. Sixteen in the clip and one in the hole. Nate Dogg is about to make some bodies turn cold. Now they dropping and yelling. It's a tad bit late. Nate Dogg and Warren G had to regulate. To freak mode. If you won't search, sit back and observe. I just step a gang of those over there on the curb. Now they got the freaks, and that's a known fact. Before I got jacked, I was on the same track. Back up, back up, cause it's on N A T E N me. The woman to the G. Just like I thought they were in the same spot in need of some desperate help. But they dog and the G child were in need of something else. One of them dames was sexy as hell. I said, Ooh, I like your side. She said, My car's broke down and just seemed real nice. Would you let me ride? I got a car full of girls and it's going real swell. The next stop is the east side motel A whole new level. The rhythm is the bass and the bass is the treble. Chords, 
strings, we brings melody. G-Funk, where rhythm is life, and life is rhythm. If you know like I know, you don't want to step to this. It's the G-Funk era, funked out with a gangster twist. If you smoke like I smoke, then you high like every day. And if your ass is a buster, 213 will regulate. 